2: Thankfully, C4 has reinvented the energy drink game with C4 Smart Energy, the only energy drink clinically proven to provide enhanced mental focus, containing 200 mg of natural caffeine, a blend of vitamins and zero sugar. It was formulated to support your well-being and help you feel your best, all while enhancing mental focus. From your brain to your body, C4 Smart Energy does it all and tastes amazing. Look for Smart Energy in the beverage aisle at your local Kroger, Albertsons, and Safeway grocery stores. See for Smart Energy. Stay focused.
1: This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move, or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod, or text WonderyPod to 500, 500
0: This episode of Travel Today with Peter Greenberg is brought to you by audible.com, a leading provider of spoken audio information and entertainment. Listen to audiobooks whenever and wherever you want. Sign up today at www.audiblepodcast.com slash travel today to get a free audiobook and 30-day trial. One day Canada, the next day Thailand, then New York, London, you just never know. This week we come to you from Sacramento, coming to you from the studios of Vetercom. When you look around, even a 30-mile radius, we've talked about this earlier in the show as well uh, around Sacramento, it's farmland, folks. It is amazing when the whole farm-to-fork movement here has absolutely exploded, and it's become, at least in the western part of the United States, a foodie capital of great proportion and it's celebrated all the time. with even have a great farmers market. But it's not a better farmers market than Madison, Wisconsin. But and I say that just because my next guest went to school there. <laughs> so I, and as I did. So we're both badgers, but she uh, now she's moved to uh, to Sacramento after her stint in both Illinois and Madison and she's the uh, she's one of the writers for Edible Sacramento and her name is Amber Stott. How are you, Amber?
2: I'm great. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, so we both celebrate Badgerland, don't we?
2: Absolutely, they got cheese curds.
0: Yeah, see, they don't have cheese curds out here. They don't. We know We have them, but they're not the same. You don't have. Come on, they're you don't. They're not the same. No, they're not. But you got a lot of other stuff. But you're also the founder. <laughs> let's get serious for a second. Of the Food Literacy Center. Yes. And you know we do have a food crisis in this country. It's not just in terms of waste, and we'll talk about that a little bit later in the show with with Craig McNamara. But but in terms of just understanding what you're eating.
2: Absolutely. Uh, Our food system is vast and we have many layers of problems in our food system. Everything from childhood obesity to food waste, as you mentioned, and where we need to reach folks is at their youngest age possible. So we're working with elementary age children and helping them understand cooking and nutrition, where their food comes
0: from. You know, a couple of years ago I was doing a story and it brought me back to Kentucky in the school system. And I was in the elementary and the middle schools and I don't know if this happened when you were a kid. When you were a kid, but you know, when when it came time to end a period, you'd hear a bell or a horn, and people would say, "Okay, the fifty-five minutes is up," and you go to your next class. In this school, when you heard the bell, nobody got up because that meant the snack truck was coming, and they would roll down the aisle of these schools with. It, it looked like a bad Krispy Kreme, oh. you know, nightmare. Uh, and th- what these kids were getting every like two and a half hours. Was a sugar rush, and, I'm, and, and talk about childhood obesity. Yeah. I was like, "Don't they get it?" I mean, and by the way, when I happened to see this a couple of years ago, I was into the Krispy Kreme, so <laughs> I admit it. But the point is, when you see it up close and personal like that, you have to stop and take a deep breath and go, "Wait a minute, something's wrong here."
2: Absolutely, yeah. And the thing about being in Sacramento, we are surrounded by beautiful fruits and vegetables growing, and. Our kids aren't getting access to them. They are actually, the school system um, is doing a lot to improve the school lunches. They have salad bars in most of the schools now in the Sacramento City School District, and they're beautiful. They're sourcing foods. Are the kids eating it?
0: Are the kids eating it?
2: Well, that's where we come in um, because we're giving them education and exposing them to new fruits and vegetables because that's a big part of getting kids excited about eating new things is that they haven't seen them before. So their automatic reaction is to think they're weird. So we kind of train that out of them and help shape their attitudes so that they get excited. When they see something new, we call them food adventurers.
0: Right here's broccoli. Exactly. <laughs> Remember when President Bush once said he hated broccoli? Oh. Oh my God, that was that didn't go over <laughs> well with the broccoli association. <laughs> No, but, but seriously, it's, it's one thing to have it, but you got to get give them motivation to eat it.
2: Absolutely. Yeah, there absolutely needs to be education paired and, with tastings.
0: And this is not just a local issue in Sacramento. It's, it's what happens when you travel. Because when you travel, first of all, you're eating at odd hours, mm-hmm. usually too late. You should be eating earlier, but most people don't. I'm I'm a victim of that. And you're taking, you know, people don't change their lifestyle when they change their location. When they travel, they're still eating fast. Mm-hmm. They're still hitting, you know, Carl's and Wendy's and McDonald's in foreign countries because it's their comfort level, right? And Uh, they're missing out. Well, no kidding. (laughs) But, I mean, how do you get, you know, the education has to start with the parents, too
2: both have to happen. But it's it's so much easier to think about the long term and think about the next generation of kids. And that's who we're trying to shape right now. By getting their attitudes changed at an early age, it's much more likely that they're going to grow up with the habit of eating fruits and vegetables rather than taking an adult who's already stuck in their ways and asking them to incorporate more fruits and vegetables. That's possible. But it's so much more possible with the youngest kids.
0: Now, I said in the earlier part of, of our little segment here that you know, you got a great farmer's market here in Sacramento. The it's best. Madison, Wisconsin. <laughs> Don't you start with me. But it's up there. It is definitely up there. What I'm interested in, and, and this, I, I, I found this, I have a problem with it with Madison. Let's see if it happened here. In Madison, they have a very interesting rule that you cannot exhibit at the farmer's market unless you're the actual farmer. So that when people come to visit the stand, you're actually talking to the person who grew the radish, who actually raised the tomatoes, right? Um, I think that's great, because you end up in a conversation, so you understand the process.
2: Absolutely. Yeah, and in our farmers' markets, um, it's not necessarily always the farmer. It depends on how big the farm is, but they definitely have knowledgeable folks. Maybe it's somebody that picked the food in the field. um, and. It's a wealth of knowledge, and our farmer's market is so big. You're always running into the chefs from our area, and you can nudge them and say, hey, how do you eat this cactus? I've never (laughs) seen this before.
4: We have clearance, Clarence. Roger, Roger. What's our vector, Victor?
1: Howard radio, clearance, over. That's clearance, over. Over. Roger. Huh?
0: Hey, joining us now is someone that fits the bill of what I do when I come to a different city in America, every time. Where's the first place I like to stop? Some of you who've heard the show before will know the answer to that. Those of you who haven't, it might surprise you to learn. My first stop is the firehouse. Why? Think about it. The firefighters have been in everybody's house. They've been in everybody's restaurant. They've been in everybody's hotel. They've been in everybody's amusement park and attraction. They know where to go. They also know where not to go. They are an amazing source of information in their community. Not to mention the fact that in most small towns in America, the firehouse is actually the community house. It's where people meet to discuss. It's where you actually get a chance to interact with the people who know more about that place than anywhere else. No guidebook, no brochure. It's the firefighters. And joining me now, the chief of the Sacramento Fire Department, Walt White. How are you, sir? Very good. you, You were nodding when I said that, so I'm assuming you're in agreement.
5: Yes, Peter, I, uh, it's good to be here, and it's nice to have this opportunity to sit down with you and talk about the great city of Sacramento.
0: Now, you're not a local boy, but you're in the area.
5: I've lived in the area for 29 years right. now. Um, some of it within the city limits and some of it just outside in the Sacramento County
0: area. You know, we're, we're involved right now, if you watch the news, California, not just Sacramento, California confronted with a serious drought, probably the one of its worst in history. And that's got to it's got to really keep you up. Nice. Absolutely. Um,
5: the governor recently declared a state of emergency. And it had, is. Sure. And we had uh, well over 20 um, active fires burning throughout the state. There's 58 counties in the state of California. And one of the good things, though, is uh, we're part of perhaps one of the best master mutual aid systems in the nation. So uh, and our department uh, participates in that regionally with uh, West Sacramento, Metro Fire, as well as uh, Folsom. And we form uh, joint strike teams and and respond to some of these communities that are just getting
0: devastated. You know, as some of uh, my listeners know, I'm also a fireman. I've been a volunteer since I'm 18 back in New York. We're on an island. So if we have a fire to respond to, we have to haul a lot of hose. Why? Because we're drafting in many cases. We're not just going out of the hydrants because we don't always have the pressure we need we can actually do that we can draft out of the bay right you can't always draft out of the sacramento river
5: no not uh it's not as practical as we would like um you know and whenever you're talking about fighting fire in a rural area or or wildland urban setting you know the challenge is
0: um the water source and access um to the fire I mean, one of the greatest frustrations has to be if you, you know you, you come up with your with your truck that's got enough enough water in there to maybe hold it till the, till the other trucks get there, and then you don't have access to other water and you can lose the fire. Yeah,
5: that's why a lot of times um, our crews are up there doing structure protection. You know, they are using uh, the equipment, the tools, and the equipment they have to um, provide protection to the the homes as the fire literally burns around them.
0: I mean, it's sort of a triage situation. You have some difficult choices to make when there's a fire like that as to which homes could, you can actually even save. Yes, it's true.
5: And that's why, you know, the incident command um, tries to make those best determinations, but they, they rely on a lot of, uh, re, you know, information and reports from the field on which homes are defensible and which ones aren't. Now, when the fires aren't
0: burning, we'll we'll turn the page here, you guys eat real well. Absolutely. I mean, and Sacramento being a food capital now, you guys have your pick.
5: Yeah, there are a a, a lot of great um, downtown restaurants
0: to hey, choose from. Where does the Chief eat? Where do you hang?
5: Well, you know, um, I like sushi, so Makuni's is a, a favorite spot. Um, uh, Marjong's is another one. there's, you know, it, it'd really be hard for me to, list them all but you're uh, not
0: you're not going to because we will run out of time
5: Mulvaney's and the firehouse restaurant downtown there
0: are some gee uh, what a a coincidence the firehouse restaurant yes what's what's good about that place uh it's you know something tells you it has to do with beer (laughs) come on well you know it it, yeah uh, it
5: does it has its share of cold beer
0: (laughs) I'm shocked I'm shocked but the point is you guys, that, see, it's just exactly the point I was trying to make. When you come into a town like Sacramento, go see the fire guys because they'll tell you where to go eat every yeah. time.
5: Yeah, I think, um, you know, that's something that we definitely pay attention to. Um, everyone's got to eat. And, uh, you know, it, firefighters are typically fairly ad- adventurous, and we're
0: going to try uh, every choice out there. You mean it's not just steak? No. <laughs> you sure now? Yeah. Do you ever have time in the, in the house to cook? when they, when they... I'm
5: pretty blessed that my wife is a much better cook than I am and that, she <laughs> uh, you know, I'm, I'm more of a, a, cleaner, a cleaner because uh, cooking and singing are two things that I have a great appreciation for but very little talent for.
3: Riding along in my automobile My baby beside me at the wheel Cruising and playing the radio With no particular place to go
0: You know, when you talk about Sacramento as one of the great foodie capitals of the universe now, and it really is, when you take a look at the the farm belt out here and the true farm-to-fork movement, which they have, it's exploded. And it's not just a, it's not just kind of a stunt. It really does happen here. But it also, you know, has to deal with something else that's going on. About how many Americans, how many Californians, are in food crisis? They just simply don't have enough to eat. And 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 how do we nurture? The next generation of farmers, you know, we, we have a tradition in this country of the family farm that that has been eroded for so many years. Joining us now, the founder of the Center for Land-Based Learning, who has a few things to say about this, Craig McNamara. How are you, sir?
6: Hi, Peter. I'm fine. Thanks so much for uh, calling.
0: Yeah. Now, you know, you've got great restaurants in Sacramento. I mean, the chefs are right I and mean, the chefs have gotten their act together they, 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 in terms of the sourcing of their food, working with the farmers, uh, basically helping to sustain the farmers as well. Um, but at the same time, we've got a crisis, don't we? We,
6: we really do. And, and I, I, I love the fact that you're pointing out that Sacramento is calling itself the, the, the farm-to-fork capital of the nation, and we've really staked our claim. And I, I love the fact that Sacramento has farm roots, and we can produce just about anything. But having said that, The issue of food insecurity is one that all of us are facing um, across the nation. Certainly the Sacramento region has it as well. And that means that a person doesn't know where their next uh, meal is coming from. And in this great nation of ours, in this great state of ours, in this city of ours, all of us, it's incumbent upon all of us to make sure that we, we change that.
0: Okay. It's incumbent, but how do we do
6: it? One of the things we can do, and we're doing in Sacramento, is creating urban farms. Um, Our farming operations through the center and through the California Farm Academy has started Urban Farms, and we are uh, peopling those farms with our graduates. So these are bringing farms to abandoned and underserved areas, creating local food products right where people need them the most. And we've had tremendous success with uh, Raley's and Nugget and our local um, grocery stores in supporting this effort. That's something that's very important, to bring the food to where people need it most.
0: But what level of awareness are you seeing out there? Uh, because I happen to think we're a nation of denial when, when it comes to this. We are a nation
6: of denial, but we must look at history, Peter. If you go back to the 1970s and poverty and food poverty in this nation, we almost solved the problem of food insecurity. Now we've let that go, where we really do have the have and the have nots and we must change that at the same time. I know one of the things that you're interested in is food waste. From farm to table, we're wasting 40% of our food. And if you look in our own uh, refrigerators, a lot of that waste is occurring in our homes. And I'm, I've am i become very aware of this. And
0: and I'm guilty of it. Face, and I'm guilty of it.
6: We're, we're, we're all guilty of it. So, so when we're guilty, the best thing to do is to be proactive and change that. And we can do that. The worst thing we can do is to take that clamshell of strawberries that was sitting in the back of the refrigerator that got moldy and throw it in the trash because that goes to landfills creating methane gas, which is a disservice to everybody. So this is something that in your and my life, I know we can change. I know we can end food insecurity and end food waste. Got to do it.
0: All right. Well, you brought it up. So you better tell me what I do with my strawberries.
6: So the strawberries, eat them. And the second thing is don't let expiration dates get in the way of good food. So, if you've got a package of uh, burger or that uh, half gallon of milk, and it says that it expired on uh, on uh, August twelfth uh, or twentieth, give it a sniff, give it a taste. Make sure that you're not throwing away a good product, because when you throw that away, you're throwing away the water, the fertilizer, the sunshine, the energy, and the labor to produce it.
0: Exactly, and in fact, you know there are apps out there now that can help you. Uh, Actually, determine that by just pointing us something out in the refrigerator right then and there.
6: I mean, absolutely. So that's where technology is really helping us. And there's another technological advancement that we have right. Well, Craig, in West- Craig, West-
0: yes, Craig, hold on to that because we're going to take a quick break when we come back. I want to finish that thought because you're fighting a war here, and uh, we need the tools. So stay with us, Craig McNamara, the founder of the Center for Land-Based Learning. We'll hear more about what's going on and what you can do. Every time you travel, not just when you're at home, when we come back to Sacramento, Peter Greenberg Worldwide returns right at this.
6: There you go. Keep that going. This is
1: flight 372 on SWA. The flight attendant's on board serving you today. Teresa in the middle, David in the back. My name is David, and I'm here to tell you that. Shortly after takeoff, first things first, there's soft drinks and coffee to quench your thirst. But if you want another kind of drink, then just holler. Alcoholic beverages would be $4. If a monster energy drink is your plan, that will be $3. and you get the whole can. We won't take your cash. you got to
0: pay with plastic. Well, speaking to a Craig McNamara, the family. founder for the Center for Land-Based Learning. Craig is also the president of the California State Board of Food and Agriculture, among many other titles. And we'll get to his his hops growing in a second because I know he wants to talk about that. But most importantly, Craig, you've been fighting this this war on food insecurity. Uh, but at the same time, it's uh, it's a war on on a, on food ignorance, isn't it?
6: Well, we, we were talking about food waste, and our listeners may not know that the average grocery store in your town, across the nation, Sacramento included, is throwing away six hundred pounds of fresh fruits and vegetables every day. And any one of us would love to take some of those home. They're that fresh, but it's that that peach or that tomato that you didn't pick today and put it in your basket, it gets thrown out tomorrow. That typically goes to landfill. There's a company in West Sacramento, California Safe Soil, that's converting that into organic fertilizer that we can put on our walnut trees, our olive trees, our tomatoes. That's what we can do as consumers. We can make sure that we support that sort of movement.
0: Well, Craig, I got a great idea. What the what the grocery store needs to do is to do a secret partnership with a local bakery and then don't throw out the peaches. It's peach pie for everybody.
6: Absolutely, and you probably have heard of the ugly fruit movement, which is, you know, there are those calls in the field, that tomato that has a little nose or a blemish or whatever. Those are perfectly good fruits. It's, it's us, the consumer, that re- needs to recognize that maybe at a discounted price, we can take those home, but I think your idea of Putting them into baked goods is perfect. Let's do it.
0: Okay, and uh, well, of course, we'll put some ice cream on top, right? Well,
6: walnut. <laughs> walnut. Got to
0: put oh, the yeah. walnut. Oh yeah. See, on. you see, I knew you were going to segue to that because <laughs> <laughs> you're a walnut grower.
6: I'm an organic walnut grower.
0: Okay, now what does that mean? Everybody, you know, everybody says the word organic. Explain this to me, please. What, okay. What does
6: are, uh, well, first of all, organic. To be organic, you have to be certified, which means a three-year transitionary period from your conventional farming. And let me just say, conventional farming is done in a very sound way as well. But we want to ensure that all farmers go towards a sustainable future. And that's a reduction of our dependence on oil-based insecticides, herbicides, and fertilizers. That's basically it. Okay, I got you. So you might ask me, okay, how? So just in the way of fertilizer, you know, if you're growing backyard tomatoes, you need nitrogen. But the tomato doesn't differentiate between a synthetic fertilizer, a manure or a compost. And we can actually grow a bean or a pea um, plant that, that uh, creates fertilizer and nitrogen for our crop plant. Very effective.
0: Now I've buried the lead here, Craig, so before we run out of time, you know, here you are at the forefront of not just the food wars, but the food intelligence wars and the food education wars. You're dead fought a few wars, too.
6: My father did, and um, it was a time of of great uh, tumult and uh, difficulty in our nation. And for myself, it it created my own journey of exploring uh, subsistence subsistence farming in South America. And I think it was that example of bringing together the land and the politics. And let me remind you, food is political. Let's, Let's be serious about this. So what we need to do is ensure that everyone has access to a fair, sustainable food supply in Sacramento, across California, and across their nation.
0: So, the, the $64 question, Craig, is how does the son of the former Secretary of Defense become a walnut grower?
6: Well, I think my dad was really proud of my decision to become a farmer, because in his life, um, he uh, when he was at the World Bank, he oversaw agricultural policy globally. And to know that I was doing something locally that was producing a healthy crop, um, I think, brought him great joy, as it has brought myself and my wife and our three children for the last 35 years. It's been a wonderful um, career. I encourage all your listeners to consider to be a farmer.
0: Well, speaking of farming, here I am in Sacramento. Within 30-mile radius of this, how many farms are we talking about or where I am right now?
6: We're talking about tens of thousands of acres, Peter, that are some of the richest loamy soils with um, sunshine. The only thing we're missing right now, as you know, is water. And that is a very, very critical situation. Our governor, our legislators, and our farmers, and our citizens are working very hard on a future that's going to be challenging. Uh, given climate change and reduced snowpacks, uh, this is something that we're going to have to really work on to support our farmers. You asked me how many farmers? We have 79,000 farmers in the state of California. We're the fourth largest agricultural economy in the world. So um, we pump out a lot of produce.
0: And what's great about it is that from a tourism perspective or just a traveler perspective, if I just went that 20 or 30 miles outside of Sacramento, or maybe not even that far, and stopped at a local farm, they'd they'd let me come in and hang out with them.
6: I was just going to invite your listeners to come visit us. We're exactly about 28 minutes from the Capitol. And by the way, if our listeners go to the Capitol, they can also visit the World Peace Rose Garden um, in, in peace for women, children, and and families. It's a wonderful place to begin a tour.
3: Hello and welcome to Alaska Flight 438. We'd like to tell you now about some important safety features of this aircraft. The most important safety feature we have aboard this plane is... The flight attendants. Please look at one now.
0: Audible.com has more than hundred and fifty thousand titles and virtually every genre. So check it out for yourself. Sign up today at www.audiblepodcast.com slash travel today to get a free audiobook and thirty-day trial. Those of you who've never been to Sacramento, you're in for a surprise. Imagine a, a city that's in about a hundred, you know, hundred miles of land if you look at it in total. Uh, only about, you know, four hundred and seventy thousand people in the county. Um, And it's got a river. It's got 50 different farmer's markets if you look at the entire Sacramento area. 32 miles of bike paths, always very cool. Not far from UC Davis, which there are two rules you have to have if you're going to go to UC Davis. You're drinking wine and you're riding a bicycle, but that's another story. And 30 museums. Uh, we'll be talking about some of those museums uh, throughout the show as well, right here in the city of Sacramento. Here to chronicle it all, the founder and editor chief of Sacktown Magazine. Sacktown Magazine. I'm going to say, where are you going? I'm going to Sacktown. Uh, <laughs> that sounds like, you know, I got busted in Sacktown. Uh, uh, Rob Turner, how are you, man?
7: I'm good. How are you? Now,
0: you're Thank a you. transplant. No, I'm a native, actually. Yeah, but you were in New York for a while.
7: I was. I was in New York for 10 years. So, uh,
0: Working for Time,
7: Time Life. I was
0: working for Time
7: Life for uh, Money Magazine, which is where I met my wife, Alyssa. We started SacTown together about eight years ago.
0: So you came back home.
7: Came back home after ten years. What brought you back? You know, a combination of things. I mean, uh, Sacramento. I, I, I've always loved the city, but Sacramento was really starting to to make a change ten years ago. That's really culminating right now, in terms of the growth and the. Uh, but growth, but growth doesn't always mean good things. No, it doesn't. Absolutely not. Fortunately, in Sacramento's case, it does, and uh, there, was, there was really, when we came back 10 years ago, there was, there was uh, more civic pride than there had been in a long time, and over the years, you may have heard a little bit about this already, Sacramento took what was one of its, you know, perhaps more boring aspects in, in some people's minds of agriculture and really embraced it as food, and that's when we really became the, the farm-to-fork capital of
0: America. And you know most people, honestly, and I'm I'm going to you know admit to a certain East Coast bias here. Yeah. They don't think of Sacramento as farming. They they think of Sacramento. Oh, there's a governor there that we may have heard of named Jerry Brown. Right. Or if they're as, uh, they're my age, there's a governor there who was once governor there before who used to date Linda Ronstadt, named Jerry Brown. That's true. And and then of course there was another governor who uh, I may have seen in the movies named Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yep. Yeah. Right. And that's about the extent of it. They don't get it. They don't even get the river, the, the whole delta. You know, it's, it's so amazing. Well,
7: uh, to some degree that's true, and it's beginning to change. And that's that's actually part of the reason why we did come back is because Sacramento, uh, I mean, you talk to anybody who lives here, they absolutely love the city. And it is a city on the verge. So part of the reason we came back was to be a part of the dialogue, to be a part of the change, which is happening before our very eyes right now.
0: You know, it's, it's sort of coincidental. It wasn't planned this way, but we've done the show from Madison, Wisconsin. We've done the show from Boise, Idaho. We're now doing the show from Sacramento. All three state capitals, all three about the same size, more or less, and all three, not just state capitals, but communities.
7: Yes, absolutely. I mean, people people here are passionate about the city, passionate about the region. And it's really been in recent years that that's been that's been coalescing in, in the Civic Pride I was just talking about a little bit before. As I'm sure you know, the, the Sacramento Kings franchise almost relocated to Seattle. Well,
0: let's talk about the Sacramento Kings okay. for a second. All right. They needed to, first of all, relocate to the win category. <laughs> and then <laughs> yeah. uh, forget the location. They're working on that. Yeah, yeah. they were. I, I mean, earlier in the show, I I, just, I discussed their, their record. They haven't won an NBA title since 1951 when they were called the Rochester Kings. Rochester Royals. Rochester Royals, yes. excuse me. Then they became the Kansas City Kings. That's correct. And then they moved here, what, 85 or so? Uh, it was
7: about that, yeah. Yeah,
0: and they made the playoffs twice, and that's as far as, far as they went. But now maybe if you have a new arena, they'll feel better about themselves, and maybe they might... Uh... <laughs> well, we also have a new owner. We also have uh, a new guy running
7: the show, Vlade Divac, who is the star center for the Sacramento Kings during the best years of the team here.
0: Oh, remember Vlade, yeah.
7: And and, and as you mentioned, we have a $500 million arena going up downtown right now, which is really creating an extraordinary ripple effect. There was just a, an article in the New York Times about this.
0: Yeah, well, the thing about, the, about where the arena is, it's not far, for, it's like right there where you had a mall. Yes. And, which was a depressing mall. It yes. was bad news, right? I, I was telling some people earlier today that the last time I was at that mall, I, so many stores had closed, and the irony was that the one store that was still open then was Radio Shack, <laughs> that you knew things were bad when the only store that That's was still true. open was a store that was about to close. That's true. Yeah, but now things are turning around.
7: Well, it's incredible. I mean, I don't know if you've had a chance to drive by the arena, the the structure. I is did drive place. by, it's yeah. It's basically there. It's going to open in time for the season next October. Along with that, they're planning October this,
0: 16,
7: October 2016. Yeah, yeah. Uh, adjacent to it, they're opening up a 16-story building that's going to have a Kempton hotel. Uh,
0: you know, I, I'm staying at the yeah. Citizen, which is a very cool hotel, which is fantastic. Oh my God, talk about retro, right? Yes. I mean, they really preserved the structure of the building. It's an old office building dating back to the 20s. Yep. Um, and their restaurant's great. Their chef Grange, is great. Grange,
7: Grange, Oliver Grisway, Grisway, yeah. yes. Now,
0: here's a guy who directs, who's basically right there at the farmer's market all the time. He is, absolutely. Yeah. And and it's all, you, you can tell, everything on that menu came from about eight blocks away. You know, I mean, <laughs> it's, it, it's, it's there.
7: It's absolutely true. I mean, we, you know, people don't associate Sacramento with food, but California produces, I think, over 50% of the fruits and vegetables for the entire country. And Sacramento is at the heart of that. is in the center.
0: You know what somebody told me at lunch? Rice. Yes. You grow more sushi rice here than Japan. Than Japan, we ship it to Japan. That's getting scary. <laughs> <laughs> That's scary. Sacktown is a bi-monthly? It is bi-monthly, yep. Opened when? You started it when? We, we
7: started in December six, so it's been about eight and a half years. Wow. So uh, yeah, Alyssa and I, like I said, we met at Money Magazine in New York. Alyssa spent about five years at InStyle Magazine, and uh, I was lucky enough to talk her into marrying Me, then moving back
0: to my hometown and, and starting a city magazine. And judging from the covers, which you can sometimes judge a magazine by its covers, <laughs> uh, a big emphasis on food. It
7: is. Well, especially in this region, uh, you know, uh, the, the craft cocktail uh, movement has been huge here in Sacramento. Craft coffee has really taken off in recent years. Um, and we have a booming uh, craft beer scene. That's,
0: See, that's everybody, really everybody talks about craft, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I like the word gluten. We're, we didn't even hear the word gluten six years ago. <laughs> yeah. right? I want to open up a new restaurant. You know what it's yeah. called? Gluten for Punishment. <laughs>
3: this segment of travel today with Peter Greenberg is brought to you by Greater Fort Lauderdale visit sunny.org for more information and say hello to sunny
0: you know when you drive around Sacramento you're you're uh, you can't help but notice there are a lot of museums here uh, some of them are sort of hidden some of them aren't one of the ones that's not is one of the more interesting museums I've ever hung out at or have seen because their choices are of what they exhibit, their choices of how they exhibit it, their choices of who they involve, not only in the exhibitions and the presentations, but who actually comes to the museum, are quite fascinating to me. And joining me now, someone who also holds an, an interesting record, because I don't know a lot of museum directors who have been around for 16 years. She joined the museum in 1999, Lyle Jones, the, uh, the executive director of the Crocker Art Museum. Hi, Lyle. Hi, Peter. Did you, did you like that introduction?
3: I did. That was fabulous.
0: But, it's, it, I mean, it really is true. I mean, I mean you have seances.
3: <laughs> you know, the Crocker is well known for uh, a tremendous variety of programs. We do almost 500 programs a year, and, and I've often said that— That's almost impossible. I know. Two a day um, is, is basically our, our average, and uh, we've done everything from neonatal classes for um, mothers, expectant mothers, uh, at to a mu- seances. At, at a museum. At a museum. At a, at, a, at a museum, at an art museum.
0: Okay, so I have to ask a stupid question. How do you go to Expecting Mothers and say, hey, we have a great program for Expecting Mothers at the museum, and they're going to go, what, are we going to do breathing exercises in front of the artwork?
3: Well, you know, breathing exercises in front of the artwork is part of our yoga and meditation program. I should have <laughs>
0: known that. I'm so sorry. I... <laughs>
3: You know, we actually were talking to them about young children and how um, they prepare their children for the best life possible and talking about strategies you can use with very, you know, very, very young um, infants to get them to start to uh, understand their visual world. You even have a program for people with chronic pain. We do. We work with um, the UC Davis Medic Center here in Sacramento, and we do a number of pain management classes uh, at the museum in our galleries, um, and we do a number of, excuse me, a uh, pilot program on how people can best
0: manage their pain by relaxation. At first glance, I mean, the combination of a pain management program and an art museum doesn't even seem to fit.
3: Well, you know, you'd be amazed. Uh, One of the things that I think is fabulous about art is, um, first, our collections cover the history of man uh, from prehistoric times to the present day. Art is, artists are very often depicting the society in which they live, and they help us see things that we cannot see in our day-to-day existence. So pretty much the world is
0: our oyster. Now, don't tell me you have a program for oysters.
3: Well, you know, we have some... Oh, no, left. no, no, don't. No, wait. No, no. <laughs> you know, Sacramento is a food town.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I noticed. Yeah, thank you. I'm, I'm sure you have some food programs there.
3: We do, indeed. Uh, we have um, um, a, a phenomenal cafe. We do a number of wine dinners. We do a number... We've even done things like dining in the permanent collection where we've sourced menus out of paintings uh, and the material. That now see, that,
0: that's fascinating stuff. Yeah. It, it's pretty good. Do you have overnights for kids?
3: We do and we've done one for adults. That one is a little more problematic. Uh, Than the kids? Well, you need a few more chaperones with the adults.
0: Tell me more, darling. <laughs> oh, I'm loving this. Right. And I, I can just see the two, the, the couple go, oh no, it's our depiction of art. It's. <laughs> we were just doing our interpretation of cuddling. Yes, Yes. Right, right, right. Okay, I got it. Now, what's the most, given all the things that you've done, what's the one program you thought was gonna work at the museum that was a total failure and the one that you thought no one's gonna come to this but it exceeded your wildest expectations?
3: Well, I'll start with the second part. Um, people always do that. Uh, well, of course. I I, I'm but so- I'm not gonna
0: let you off the hook.
3: <laughs> I'm still trying to think what the failure yeah. was, uh, the most uh, failure-ridden one. Uh, because I the think Charles you, Manson dance well, program? <laughs> was that the one? No? I, mean, <laughs> I think you learn from every program, uh, and right. we just hope to do them better. Yeah. Um, but we did a program, uh, a pure art history lecture. It was during the time that Dan Brown's book on the Da Vinci Code came out, yeah. and we thought it would be a popular lecture about the artist Leonardo. Um, we actually sold out Sacramento's Crest Theater, an 1,800-seat venue, twice for an art history lecture wow. I think that's pretty phenomenal
0: yeah no kidding
3: um, and then the, the program that maybe has failed um, I, I think it's an interpretation by whose standard so I could say that one of our very most uh, popular recent programs, uh, at T- uh, The Takeover, done <clears throat> um, two weeks ago with teens taking over the Crocker, where they're per- um, performing written um, uh, spoken word, music, doing dance, doing uh, visual arts. There were um, almost 2,000 teenagers at the museum uh, Thursday night. We thought that it might have been a bit chaotic. I saw a film produced by one of the uh, participants yesterday, a short little film, and it was totally from a teen's point of view. They thought it was phenomenal. So sometimes it depends on who the audience
0: is that attends. It it always does. It It always does. Just amazing stuff. And, And by the way, just one of the museums here in Sacramento. How old is the museum? The museum
3: was founded under its current form of governance in 1885. It's the oldest art museum
6: west of the Mississippi. If you are continuing on to another Southwest destination, please make sure that you check the monitors
0: inside the terminal for your proper gate and flight information. If you are continuing on with another
1: airline, we really don't care.
0: My next guest, like so many people in California, ain't from here. He's, uh, he's from Queens, like Rockaway.
4: Rockaway Beach.
0: Rockaway Beach. And uh, found his way moving west. Here he is in Sacramento, the owner of, I love this, Mulvaney's Building and Loan, which is a restaurant, but it was a former firehouse, right? At yeah, that's a right. And a former bank.
4: And, well, no, we named it after the bank from uh, the movie It's a Wonderful Life with Jimmy Stewart. Ah. So my friends in New York, I knew I came First here. of all,
0: it's Patrick Mulvaney.
4: So I knew when I came to Sacramento, I fell in love the first year I was here with all the availability of vegetables and fruits and farmers and brewers and vintners that were here. And I knew that this was where my restaurant was going to be. And the second thing I knew is that everyone back home was going to bust my chops because I was coming to a small town. So remember, It's a Wonderful Life. Bed- Bedford Falls. Jimmy Stewart gets his life back and runs down, realizes that small town is where he should be, runs down the street and says, hello, you wonderful old building and loan. So I knew when I made the decision to have Sacramento be my home that one day I would open Mulvaney's building and loan.
0: I love it. And this is a major food town now.
4: We are doing really well. I mean, it, we are centered in the middle of the richest agricultural region in the world. And and nobody knows it. I mean, I mean um, you
0: know it, but I'm saying... Most of my listeners, until the, about twenty seconds ago, didn't
4: know it. But and and it's and it's coming up, right? And and actually, truthfully, we in Sacramento sometimes didn't know it ten years ago. But food is food as it comes on to the national platform for discussion. It's also entered uh, Sacramento's radar and really what we do and what we talk about all the time.
0: So you're a pretty good example of locally sourcing just about everything.
4: So yeah, so I was just telling someone this morning. They asked where we got our bay leaves, and I pointed to the. Uh, laundromat across the street and said we get them off the bush there. But yeah, most of our most of our fruits and vegetables come from within fifteen or twenty miles. And you know all the farmers. And so really the fun part about what we do every day is that the farmers are in the restaurant. So people say, Oh, I love these tomatoes. Hey, Uncle Ray over there on table forty three, come say hello to these people. So you get to bring the people in. So not only put a face to it. And not so not only are you telling the eight million stories. But you're putting the faces, like you said, yes, between... Now, the I times. know
0: this is radio, so I have to paint the picture. You're wearing a shirt that says, Change Menus, Change Lives. Explain that.
4: So this, is a, this is a Chef's Collaborative shirt, and it's uh, probably three to 500 chefs around the country who get together um, infrequently. But what we do is we talk about how chefs can use their platform and people paying attention to uh, affect policy change and advocate for healthier food and healthier America.
0: Now, you've got to tell me about the bridge because everybody's been telling me all day long, you gotta come back for this bridge dinner. You actually closed the bridge.
4: So it's pretty cool, right? Have you seen the big tower bridge? If you've ever watched Sacramento, it's the, it's the yeah. piece that's on there, big golden bridge. And um, when we started the farm to fork campaign, we thought about how we could unite the farming people over Yolo County and everywhere and Sacramento, the city. And so we came up with the idea of one long table. The first year was 600 people in one long banquet table so across he, the river. You, you closed the bridge. We closed the bridge. And you put the table on the bridge? And the table ran right down the center of the bridge, and 600 people came out and had dinner on the bridge and mingled, and we had most of the chefs from Sacramento there cooking. And
0: What does it take to close a bridge? Uh, I mean, you have to go through, like, what, 20 different agencies?
4: Well, we well we were we were really uh, blessed that uh, Mayor Ke- Cabalden, Mayor Johnson, both supportive, Mrs. Matsui, our Congresswoman, both supportive, um, the governor, the secretary of food and ag, uh, secretary of transportation. You got everybody California. on board. Everybody on board. So we we kind of talked up the idea, right, that we are celebrating Sacramento and we want to celebrate agriculture here on the towers. And this is a great idea, and then asked enough people that said yes, it's a great idea. That for anybody who wanted to say no, it was a bad idea. Had some pretty big, big uh, boulders to throw over.
0: Yeah, exactly. So, how much does it cost?
4: And I think it's about $175 for the ticket for right.
0: each one. And Now, here's the wild part. $175 for the ticket, how fast did it sell out?
4: 13 seconds or something like that. But it's crazy, right? It, amazing. And last year, I, I looked, and it said, let's go. And I, I turned around and filled my coffee cup and turned around, and boom, they were sold out. Because so many people, because this is what Sacramento talks about. And we talk about food all the time. And so cool that this one's good, and now there's going to be events all over right it's, it's kind of uh, something that we expand from right if that's ground zero then there's stuff going on okay, all over it
0: place. opened up with 600 people on the bridge mm-hmm. this year's dinner how many people 720.
3: you've been listening to peter greenberg worldwide catch us each week as we broadcast from a new location somewhere around the world
0: If you like Ion Travel with Peter Greenberg, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at wondery.com survey. The Hargan women seem to have it all. From the outside looking
2: in, we were blessed. My mom